This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together where we discuss the last seven days following Southampton Football Club. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel to be the first to see our latest videos. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. And thanks to our sponsor this week, once again, Pundit Games. Pundit is a new card-based football trivia game that you can play anywhere. You can play as a group or just in a pair. Rounds last around 45 minutes and there's 900 questions to get through across categories like the 90s Premier League, the Three Lions and the World Cup to name just a few. Pundit are offering TSP listeners 20% off their purchase when they use the code SAINTS. Just head to punditgames.co.uk and you'll be able to enter the code as you check out. You'll also find a link to the website and the code in the YouTube and the podcast description. Coming up this week on the pod, Saints complete a league double over Chelsea for the first time since 1988. Going to look back at Saturday's win on the road. We head to Leeds in search of successive wins next. Going to preview that task. And have we found the man to lead the great escape the latest on the manager vacancy also coming up my name's martin stark and i'm joined this week by steve grant who's the owner of saints web glenda lacour is the writer of the blog league one minus 10 and jacob tanswell is the southampton reporter for the athletic all underpinned by our tsp patrons this is episode 222 of the total saints podcast your home for everything southampton fc from dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now a win, a clean sheet, a manager speaking sense in a press conference. There's literally nothing to moan about this week. I just, I think we can just crack on and talk about the football for the first time in ages. And what a great result it was as well. Saints picking up all three points at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Glenn, I'm going to start with you. It seemed very much to me yesterday about a case of getting back to, to what we used to do well. It was good to see. Yeah, it was right from the um, the way the team 
set up on the pitch at the start of the game. It was it was basically four four two, wasn't it? With with everybody pressing relatively high to, to try and make it uncomfortable for Chelsea, and it it was like um, it was like the good days of Ralph all over again. The, that first half was 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 really good. We forced them into mistakes. Didn't really give them many opportunities at all. <laughs> they were really a team that was a collection of individuals. They didn't really play you know, as a team, very expensive individuals, as we said last week, but they, they didn't really have the, the the patterns of play. And it wasn't until halftime when they brought Sterling on that they, they sort of did anything really to um to worry us. But I thought I thought we played really well. The first half I was I was really impressed with uh, with Tall Paul up front, the amount of work he did bringing others into play, you know, controlling the the long balls forward with his chest and just holding people off. I thought he was excellent and um and and we were a threat. And uh, and obviously uh Getting the goal before half times just just standard, barely worth talking about, isn't it? Now, um, <laughs> it it was good to see Stuart Armstrong back in the team. I thought just to add a, a you know a little bit a little bit of quality that um, has been lacking with our with our forward play and the the two new lads. It was um, it was great. So it was a really enjoyable first half. Obviously, one nil up. The only thing that made me slightly nervous was the um, I, I thought the substitutions possibly came a little bit early. We, you know, we were obviously um, playing for one nil from the moment we took off our three sort of most forward players. That that kind of worried me a bit, but the the end justified the means at the end of the day, and we got we got to the end and um, and uh, and won the game. And it's always lovely to win games against the uh, against the Super League clubs. And um, and Chelsea Twitter was just glorious after the game as usual. Um, it still is today as well. Oh, <laughs> how can we not win against bottom of the table? No manager Southampton. Um, it's just glorious. It's just glorious. Well, it's not an, unreason- not an unreasonable question from their no, perspective. To be fair, no, six hundred million is obviously not enough to spend on a on a collection of individuals. But they've all got ten year contracts, so they they can they can you know I'm sure they'll get a good performance out of them by the time that's finished. So, Time for uh, them to gel. No, no, it was great. It was, you know, it was it was a good performance. We played well in the first half, got in front, and managed the game well in in the second half. Despite some strange refereeing from David Coote, who's not one of my favourite referees. He's he's he always strikes me as one of the weak ones that you don't really want when you're playing against against the big uh, the big the big sides. But I guess he could have sent Sekumara off if he wanted to. Um, if he, you know, if he was being, uh, if he was being that way inclined, but, um, but I think that was that was kind of evened up. I, I think by the challenge by Koulibaly in the first minute. I mean, to to stamp on Torpol's thigh, how how high off the ground do you have to be to to stamp halfway up the leg of a six foot seven striker? I didn't thought that clever uh, that challenge was diabolical. But uh, no, happy days, won the game, and uh, yeah, we've got to get something next week now. And Steve, we were hoping for a good performance um, and we got it yesterday. Um, some would say it's because you're back in the UK now, a win for Sutton, a win for Southampton. That's what was was missing. But um, what did you make of it all yesterday? Yeah, it was good. We were, I think, ultimately, I think what we as fans want just is something that you can kind of identify with. And as you say, that was kind of back to back to what we what we were doing in the sort of good periods under Ralph, in that we were we were pressing at the right times. We weren't going just full pelt and and being really sort of rash about it. We were we were picking our moments to to put pressure on them. And I think that that kind of uncertainty puts puts defenders sort of in a in a sort of more un, more sort of 
uneasy situation than if if they know that they're always going to be getting pressed. If they don't know when the guy's going to be right on their shoulder, actually, it's it's probably probably harder for them to make a call as to whether whether they try and try and play it clever or or um or just get rid. And we saw with that early chance where um where we end up um in on the on the right wing and uh, Kepa Ariza Balaga has to make a make a pretty good save actually. I think I think that yeah. that save that save was underrated. I thought there, there wasn't an awful lot made of it. It's like oh Kepa's made a save. It's like actually that's a really good save. Yeah. Um, because he's literally only just caught. It's only just caught his elbow. Um, and that's kind of um taken it away and. I mean, it's one of those. I, I guess you can't. You maybe think, well, if we if we score that early, then maybe we've scored too early um, in a game in a game like <laughs> that, where you're expected to give up the the bulk of the possession. Although weirdly, in the first half, we didn't. We had, I, think yeah. we, I saw we had like sixty percent possession first half. Yeah. Um, which I mean, I don't know whether that reflects especially well on us or especially badly on Chelsea. Perhaps somewhere in the middle. But, yeah, maybe a bit of both. But no, I mean, first half especially, we we were excellent. Um, causing problems, created chances, didn't really give didn't really give them a sniff apart from I think Aspilicueta's one that he um, hit into the side netting. But I mean, you you'd be fuming if you let that goal in. As I look towards the uh, the Everton Leeds uh, winner uh, for for a prime example, <laughs> and yeah, second half we we dug in and I mean let's let's be let's be very blunt about it. We kind of got away with it a little bit with two clearances off the line that were. It was just right man in the right in the right place at the right time, and probably seven days ago. Uh, well, I mean, we saw with Bednarek um, seven days ago that shot cannons um, between between your heels, off your off your inner thigh, uh, inner calf, and then roll dribbles over the line. So it's I mean Nathan Jones obviously wouldn't have been watching because he was um, turning out in the Dorset First Division, but if he if he'd seen that he'd He'd have just rolled his eyes and said, "Well, how's your luck, lads?" But no, we we weathered the storm, and it kind of—I mean, even though the twelve minutes went up um, for the Aspilicueta injury, I kind of never really—it never—it wasn't as if they kind of—it was the Alamo or anything like that. They were there were no. crosses into the box, sure, but they were they were all manageable. And that's kind of one one of the things that um, that Bednarek does tend to do quite well. If you if you put the ball into his head, he will just he will just deal with it and. I mean, they they don't have a centre forward, so there wasn't really anybody that you had to kind of designate and say, right, we've got to make sure this guy is the one we keep quiet because they've just got about twenty-seven number tens <laughs> who you can kind of draw them out of a tombola before kickoff and hope that something sticks. Um, I mean, as as Glenn says, Sterling came on at half time and was and was by far their best player. Hmm. Everything in the first half was a little bit pedestrian. They they couldn't. Couldn't get through. Couldn't get through any gaps. We we shut shut the game down really well. Second half, they, I mean, obviously we tired and uh, Havertz and Sterling seemed to seem to have a relatively decent understanding between each other and and worked a few little openings. But other than those two that were cleared off the line, and I suppose Gallagher's relatively late one as well, not a huge amount to alarm us really, which kind of bodes well going forwards. I mean, you got to obviously look at the fact that Chelsea have scored only a goal again this season, which is. Pretty, a pretty mad stat in itself, but no, I mean another another clean sheet builds confidence, which is something that certainly can't be said for the um, for the Leeds dressing room at the moment when we when we head there next week. So yeah, all in all, pretty good seven days, I'd say. 
plenty of positives. Um, Jacob, it seemed to me a return to a system that the players were perhaps comfortable with or more comfortable with yesterday. But the difference being since they last played that system, maybe some better players coming in. Yeah, but also that probably makes it a little bit more difficult because they're not attuned to the present triggers and the, you know, the nuance. And I think it was quite telling that Ellie Nussi and Stuart Armstrong played in number 10 positions because although Ellie Nussi gets maligned, you know, nearly all the time on this whenever, podcast yeah. yeah exactly whenever <laughs> yeah, he starts yeah. I think what they like about him is that he does understand the role in terms of where he's got to be in and out of possession although Aspilicueta did have some joy in the first half down his side you know we've only got to think from last week it was you know and even the week before post Brentford it was an absolute disaster inside Staples there was issues uh Coaches were getting marginalised. Ruben Sellers had had basically no say in that final week because Nathan Jones said he wanted to compromise, and in his way of compromising, he would only listen to uh, the two coaches that he brought in from Luton, and no one really knew what they were doing. And one player said uh, during the game against Wolves is that he they basically stopped listening to Nathan Jones and they tried to they tried to do it their own way uh, in the first half, and I think they actually had a bit of success in the first half doing it their own way. Um, well, we were quite good first half, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. Last week. Exactly, and I think you know. I think if the the players naturally want to be on the front foot, if they because they want to keep the ball as far away as their goal as possible, because that's when they, sometimes they get a bit shaky, and they're used to it. You know, they've had they've had three or four years of Ralph, and although things would go downhill quite a lot of time, they do feel that's probably their best way of winning games because they are quite athletic, they are strong, they can fight as long as they've got a right manager backing them to the to the hill. And in Ruben Sellers, they they loved him, uh, and they've they've. I think they closed the game off against Wolves on Monday. They spoke about it. Uh, they they basically cleared the air. Ruben Celeste told a few home truths in terms of, you know, some of you players aren't going to play again for me. We've got a huge squad. I'm going to now start nailing down my team, my substitutions. And then from there on in, they started working on the B team, uh, sorry, on the principles of play. And I think it was telling that Dave Horseman came in because mm. he plays the 4 2 2 more better than anyone else and he sticks to the playbook so I think those principles are really key and and they look fantastic I thought the coaching dynamic on the sidelines Carl Martin extremely highly rated but he's not really done much under under Nathan Jones and he he was at the forefront wasn't he Cele- celebrating yeah. Ruben Sellers so yeah I you, think you were pretty much sat behind them yesterday weren't you yeah, yeah behind the bench. so how you know what was that dynamic like during the game was there a lot of correspondence going on <laughs> a lot of chatting and, and sharing ideas yeah and, so uh, the they, pictures we saw they just they seem to be having the time of their lives <laughs> they forced that a little monitor in front of him so Ruben would, would turn around and just look and see if there's anything uh, they, they noticed but yeah like you said Martin I, I kept looking at Sellers and he just kept smiling and shaking his head I think after after Ball Pro scored he just looked at Carl Martin and was like what, what's going on like this is really really good um, and it just looked like he looked like a manager actually it looked like a manager didn't it? he didn't look like he was pretending or putting on these you know fault this false show he looked like everything came natural and you saw that through the way he, he dressed i'm sure we'll come on to it but yeah. i was just really impressed by it because n- none of them looked out of their depth they looked like they all they all wanted it yeah. and they all and they all put in the same direction and i don't think that could be said under jones especially in that final week We'll get into to Ruben Sellers definitely a bit later on. Um, we we'll also want to talk about the the clean sheet and, and the back four and defensively how we set up. But I'm just going to ask the three of you about James Ward-Prowse, first of all. And I'm going to start with you, Glenn, because to get that free kick down into the bottom corner was special. Someone said to me, oh, it's, it's, it's like a penalty. But actually, I would argue that he's better at the free kicks than he is at penalties. I get more yeah, nervous when he's taking yeah, a yeah. penalty than I do when he's got a free kick on the outside of the box. Yeah, I mean, what was... That particular free kick he scored yesterday, it it's a slight variation on what he's done a few times where he kind of whips it into the top corner. So this this one went up and, and went down and 
that seemed to be what did the goalkeeper. I think the go- the goalkeeper knew where you know roughly where it was going, but he couldn't get himself over and down quick enough to um, to get anywhere near it really. So because we've seen him, we've seen Walt Prowse at times whip it into the top corner, and that was that was kind of the standard, and that that was all he had really. Um, I'm not belittling it in any way, but that was his that was his standard free kick. Was to not a bad it thing to have, is no, it? No, absolutely. <laughs> to whip it into that top corner, and then we, and then we had the Wolves one last year, where he just smashed it and it went the that other was side. Frustration, wasn't and, it? And it's like that. This is this is ridiculous. He had one at Brighton that he kind of placed, and it it bounced into the the bottom corner, and now he's got this one as well. So it, it, it's you know pe- people are noticing the the technique now, and. You know, just that everyone was highlighting how much that one dipped and how that basically made it impossible for the goalkeeper to get anywhere near it. So, you know, and what he said in his interview afterwards, he said, it, it, you know, it's nice that to know that if you practice something enough, you can really become sort of like the, the master of it. And and that's what he that's what it is. I mean, he he will break Beckham's record, hopefully. Hopefully, by hopefully next week. <laughs> hopefully, in a scene. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully a couple will go in next week, and uh, yeah, we can get some points against Leeds. But, but uh, the, the first thing I thought about when it went in yesterday, Glenn, was your observation last week about when he um, decided not to shoot against Wolves, and and that to yeah. me, I was just like, the more I think about that, um, and I probably need to let it go. Like, what on earth was all that about? Because he could have broken the record yesterday. It was it was very strange to get two free kicks against Wolves, especially the one in the last minute, and and basically not shoot. And they were sort of twenty twenty one yards out. Um, it, it it was very strange, but I guess we'll never know until he writes a book after he's retired. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, we've been pretty critical of him up until the World Cup break, but post-break, um, with everything else that's been going on, he's been that that consistency and, and our standout player that, that we need. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think, to be honest, that rejection from the World Cup squad, and deserved as it was, I, I think, that rejection has spurred him on. And he's come back from that um, from the the mid season break, more motivated to to lift to raise his game and and put in the sort of consistent performances we were seeing in pre in previous years. He'd let it, he'd let it slip for for two or three months, and unfortunately, when you play in a position where you're kind of never likely to be a regular starter in that England team, I think with the system that they play, you've kind of got to be on on form more often than not. And having that long period of time, right, just right before the World Cup, um, where obviously recency bias is going to be key, and and if you're if you're clearly not in form, then you're much less likely to be to be picked, especially if you're on if you're on the fringes of things anyway. Mm. So, I think actually that 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 has helped him, and it's helped us because I think if he if he goes to the World Cup, having put in those the performances he did. Um, sort of September to um, to the start of November, then I wonder if there might then sort of be an underlying complacency of like, well, I, I still got still got in the World Cup squad even even with those with those performances. But no, fair fair play. He's he's done what we what we needed him to do, and that was to kind of get lift himself out of, out of that little funk. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, he is going to be one of, if not one of the key players, if not the sole key player in terms of whether we stay up this year. It was a real leader's performance for me yesterday, Jacob, and he's had a lot on his shoulders recently. And I guess with the managerial changes, the dressing room are going to be looking to the the captain more than ever. Yeah, they they always seem to look at him, don't they? It's I think everyone's running out of words to you know to describe 
uh, James Will Prowse, even the managers, like you know, Nathan Jones was highly complimentary of him. Ruben Salas, probably more so, even even more effusive yesterday. Um, he called him the best free kick taker the Premier League's ever seen. I think everyone probably agree with, with that now, and he'll probably be vindicated in the next couple of weeks when he breaks David Beckham's record. He's done everything for this for this club, and I always I didn't really like the criticism he got in the early part of the of the season because no, he wasn't at his best. But there were so many issues in that team and James Will Prowse was trying to hold it together and, you know, he's he's only human. But I think when Slanton need him in these crunch games, he, he's there. And without James Will Prowse, I'd, I'd hate to think where Slanton would be, would have been in the last two to three years. They, they might just be in middling championship team right now because he saved so many points. He's always there. His celebration, I thought, was outstanding the way he ran over to the away fans after uh, when he scored. And yeah, he, was there a little he was, nod to the bench as well as he went past? There was. A... I, I don't know, may, maybe, but it's <laughs> it's been a difficult week for him. I'm, I'm sure he's he's always been the bridge between the manager staff and and the dressing room, especially with no Ori Romeo there anymore. So he's mm. he's the guy that's who who puts things forward. And what's interesting is that this week as well, Ruben Sellers has he's created this leadership group that he that Slampton didn't have. Uh, so he's got, a, I think he's got three or four leaders. I'm not sure who they are yet. I'm sure he'll uh, elaborate on that as the week goes on. Uh, but as long as Warprowse has taken, the burden's taken off his shoulders a little bit, then it, it can't be a bad thing. Let's talk about the defensive performance yesterday. Um, perfect time to to get our second clean sheet of the season. Mm. I was worried when I saw that Salisu was, was injured, Glenn, but actually some standout performances yesterday and, and not just those blocks. Yeah, I, I was I was impressed with Maitland Niles. I mean, that that's his best position, without a doubt. He, he's he seems to be, you know, you ask him to play right back in a back four. That seems to simplify things for him. And I, I thought he had a I thought he had a really good game. He he um he's not perfect. He dozes off occasionally. He let Chilwell get behind him a couple of times. But I thought he had a he, I thought he had a good game. Uh, Belakar chap coming back was huge because he adds he adds the pace that. And it was especially needed without Salasu being there. I think, I think we can safely assume that Salasu and Belakochap would have been the two centre backs if Salasu had been fit. But Bednarek had a decent game. I liked in the first half in particular. He was very, very aggressive with his closing down of Fafana, who was their sort of main forward player. Um, and I thought he did a good job there. As, Steve said he did the basics well in the second half, just heading balls away and stuff like that. Bednarek is all, for me, he's passable in a back four for the simple reason that in that he has to take responsibility. There's nowhere to hide. When there's just two centre-halves, you can't be looking at someone three yards to your right or three yards to your left Mm -hmm. to do the job for you. You've got to do it. Otherwise, it's going to be your fault. And he... He always seems to have his better games in a in a back four. Will he play next week? I I don't think he will if Salasu is fit, but he he did a good job. And and Perot obviously had the standout moment with with clearing that ball off the line, celebrating um, like he'd won the World Cup. Yeah, okay, yeah, a bit over the top, but why not? Um, Love it. But but the other, I mean, the other thing is it's obviously not just the back four. It's um, yeah, I thought Romeo Lavia was great in midfield again. With, I mean, bearing in mind you've got 105 million pound player he's playing against there, and and that Matteo Kovacic, who I always thought is a good player, and there, there was one bit where Lavia just kind of bodied him out of the way, and it's just like this is ridiculous for a 19 year old kid to do that, and and again he was, you know, he's wasting time as he got substituted, and 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 generally, um, good to know. see, isn't it? Really? Yeah, all the all the all the dark arts, housery, yeah. great stuff. Um, and I thought he had another. He had another superb game. So, as a defensive unit, as you said, Elianusi and Armstrong they did their they did their tracking back well. 
and um, and just just made it difficult. And Chelsea just didn't, you know, if I, if I was if I was talking about Chelsea, I'd, I'd be absolutely raging at the lack of the lack of sort of team pattern. Um, you know, similar to to what we to what we've had to be honest this season mm. um, under Jones and and even under Ralph, we, there, there didn't seem to be any sort of pattern of play as to how to progress to the final third of the field and 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 get shots on target. And as Steve said in the second half, you know, you can put as many crosses in the box as you like if you haven't got anyone in there to um, to uh, to head them. And um, yeah, so happy day. So a good defensive performance. Decent for Bazunu to get a clean sheet as well. Can only help him. And and he looks solid. Sometimes even even if he doesn't let in goals, he has he looks a bit shaky. But you know, I thought he was decent today uh, yesterday. So is that going to be the key to staying up now, Steve? Uh, playing a, a left footed left back at left back and a right footed right back <laughs> at right back and a back four. I mean, it, it seems pretty obvious, but it's a, no- it's um, a novel concept, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seemed to work yesterday. Uh, yes, I mean it's again though it's it's one of those you've got a, it's horses for courses and um, and the way that chelsea play does hugely lend itself to playing a flat back four because you can you can just be able to see exactly what's in front of you um they don't have the the people that are running the channels um in that system so you don't have any real advantage from playing an extra center back you basically if you do that against chelsea you sacrifice the midfield completely um, whereas we had we had a fair degree of control of the midfield, I thought for for the mo- for most of the game really. Um, and Fernandez and Kovacic were were decent in patches, but we kind of always had four there really in the in the centre because of the because of the narrow um, system. Um, not only did you have uh, Lavia and War Prowse, but you had El Yanusi and, and Armstrong tucking in um, for the most part as well. So we we just crowded them out. And um, I mean, going forward, it, that system might not work against against certain other um, certain other teams. Yeah, um, I, think, I think in home games we'll need a little bit more than what that system. You know, where where we're we're expected to have the ball and do a little bit yeah. more with it. I think we need a, a bit more than what that system and those players offer. Yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, let's let's also remember that since what middle middle of November. Uh, we've still only scored one one Premier League goal from open play, um, another set piece goal. So while we've created we've created a little bit more today, uh, sorry yesterday again against a good side, I think we still need to we still work, need to have some something that's good that's going to just generate a few more chances because we know that our at the moment our conversion rate is is low. So if your conversion rate is low, you've got to create more to give yourself give yourself that opportunity. And I mean, Leeds defence should should present us with with that opportunity, but it's up to us to come up with a system that's going to take advantage of that. Well, just before we get on to that Leeds game, Jacob, there's a few questions tonight about um, coming in on the the chat about players that weren't in the squad yesterday. I know you touched on Ruben Sellers setting out his stall pretty early on in the week. Um, the names that are going to come up um, time and time again, I guess, are Orsic and Saleta car who weren't in the the match day squad yesterday does that tell us more about them than we thought because i know last week we were talking about it might have been that they'd fallen out with nathan jones and it was going to be quite telling if they were straight into the first the starting 11 yesterday and 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 clearly they weren't so perhaps the problems whatever they may be are are shared by different coaches yeah maybe i think celestis are quite an honest and direct speaker he's obviously got that experience playing the international level um there might have been an issue a week or a couple of weeks ago um but the important thing is that Ruben Sellers and, or even Nathan Jones, to some extent, sees these players every day. He sees how aggressive they are. I know we, that's how 
There's a word we weren't expecting to use for a while. <laughs> call it, but th- this is what you know. Said exactly, <laughs> I know. But you know, Celestia I think has been good, but I think he's probably better in a low block or a mid middle to low block. He, you know, I think if you look at the data, which Celestia I'm sure does, he he's not the most aggressive. There's, there are issues or there are concerns over his 1v1 defending and if Samson are going to go high you know I put a picture on Twitter yesterday about how high Bella Kotchak was in the half he was the deepest Samson player but he was still well inside Chelsea's half and Slesasar probably hasn't got the pace or the 1v1 ability to, to do that I'm surprised he wasn't on the bench but then Lianco probably gives you that option to play it right back he can play on the outside centre back uh, if he wants to go to a back three so he gives he gives a little bit more Orsic he's a little bit off the pace and what Seller said yesterday is that he wants his team to transition fast so whenever they won the ball from deep they transition fast and Orsic is in the quickest he's a little bit like Jaden Sancho in a way in terms of he wants if he's a winger he he wants to combine that wide with players around him. But in order to do that, I think I touched on this a few weeks ago, in order to do that, Slamton needs to have sustained possession, needs to have 50, 55, 60% in Chelsea's half or the opposition's half. And right now, Slamton have got that. So, And I don't, I have concerns of whether he's, an, he's a number 10 as well, if you want to play that system. So yeah, there are, there might be issues off the pitch, but Sellers went for for players that he trusts and for players that know their jobs. And I think there's too many concerns from both of them at the moment to, to put him back in. And if we're winning games, of course, it, it, it's all largely irrelevant anyway. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Leeds next uh, at the weekend. A real chance to climb off the bottom of the table, which, um, Glenn, that would be just huge psychologically, if nothing else, just to to get off the bottom of the table at this stage. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. The way I've been looking at it for the last few weeks is that until we can string together a run of two or three games, the league side was irrelevant anyway. Um, and we, you know, we've had this win against Chelsea, which is, um, which is a bonus because you don't, you don't ever put three points down on your predictor when you're playing, um, when you're playing Chelsea at Stamford bridge, this Leeds game, however, it's, it's a, it is the proverbial six pointer. We've, we've blown a number of games that we should have got points in when, when Nathan Jones was in charge. So if, if we can go there and win that one, then, I will believe we have a serious chance of staying up and getting off the bottom of the table. Obviously, obviously feeds into that. Leeds, in my opinion, are certainly one of the teams who you're looking at to finish below us. You know, I can only really see Leeds and Bournemouth at the moment, and then you're hoping that you can get above an Everton or Is it eight um, eight points separating the bottom nine. I think after yeah. the results today. So yeah, they this. I mean, and you're always looking for one to drop right into it. Now, yeah. I'd look at Crystal Palace myself as a team that are currently about 12th, who may well, who may well drop into it. And I know their fans are quite worried because they apparently have got 
not a great run of fixtures coming up. So I think we have to go into this Leeds game as, you know, I mean, we have to target every game now because of where we are. But th- this is certainly one that we've got to look to try and win. They're not great. Um, Steve's already sort of alluded to their um, defence not being the best. Um, their goalkeeper is, well, he made a horrendous mistake at the weekend. And um, he's, he's definitely got a ricket in him. Meslier, is it? Losing to Everton would have put a bit of a downer on them. They've got the temporary manager in charge at the moment, the same as we have. Um, so, you know, it, it's one that we've got to target and at least make sure we don't get beat. But I think we need to really go for the win in this game. Leeds have got some, Leeds have got some good players in the sort of like the front half of the pitch. They're sort of line of number 10s and Team USA in the middle of the park are, um, you know, a half decent. Bamford doesn't seem to have got back to his best after his um, after his big injury. But uh, yeah, certainly a team that we can get at. But um, but we have to turn up, and you know this is gonna this this sort of game is what is going to make or break our season. The situation we're in now, we can't afford to go up there and get beat. Well, Steve, the momentum is certainly going to be with us. Is it a case of just we've had a few false starts so far this season? But uh, is it a case of lose this and it's back to square one, or are you pretty confident about the weekend? I mean, both. I'm I'm fairly confident based on what I've seen from from us um, this week and from what I've seen from Leeds in kind of the last six weeks, really. They've they've got a lot of energy and yet they don't seem to really ever expend it in the right areas. And then they seem surprised when they're kind of exhausted by the end of the game and getting picked off. But in, ter- in terms of the overall situation, I mean, the most of the other results couldn't have possibly gone an awful lot worse for us, really, with... Mm. Um, with Bournemouth winning, Everton winning, and yeah, it just wasn't wasn't ideal. Given that, I mean, we weren't expecting anything from that game. So, Christ, if we if we'd lost if we'd lost yesterday, we'd be basically done. We'd be mm. what five points adrift, and you're just and at that point you're just thinking, well, there's no hope. Whereas all of a sudden we go and get this go and get this good win where we look organised, um, we look like we've actually got a tactical plan with alterations that that work based on sort of how the game how the sort of flow of the game changes as it's going on. So yeah, maybe maybe we might be might be all right. But it's yeah, as as you say, these these games are the big ones. It's I mean, fairly ridiculous that a third of our points this season have come against Chelsea. <laughs> um, That's a great start. <laughs> it's it's mental, isn't it? But but ultimately it's it's the ones against the teams around you. Because if you're if you're losing to to those sort of sides, then they're pulling away from you. Draws you can kind of kind of take or leave it, I think, in sort of certainly early in the season but once you get down to the down to the business end of it it's wins wins have got to be the currency and yeah i mean i think we've we've got we've got the tools to go and win to go and win up there it's a case of whether we can whether we can string two two good performances back to back and how we deal with deal with the ellen road crowd because i mean they'll be they'll be sort of behind their team from the start and it'll be loud and it'll be it'll be sort of harem scarum at least for the first at least sort of from kickoff um, and you've got you just got to do what you can to quieten down and and sort of wrestle control of the game ourselves. And hopefully, we've got a plan in place that's that's going to let us do that. Start like we did against Wolves. Start like we did against <laughs> Chelsea. Yeah. And uh, see, Jacob, as, as as Steve says, you know the three points are going to be key here. The results didn't go our way at the weekend. Um, we said last week. I think this was a good time to be playing Chelsea. This has got to be a great time to be playing Leeds, isn't it? There, there aren't many clubs. In fact, they're probably the only club that are currently in a worse position than we are in the league. So we've, we've got to go there with our tails up. Yeah, exactly. And I think the atmosphere is just going to be just so 
on a knife edge, isn't it? Because Leeds are going to try and start fast. They're going to be in your face. Typical Ellen Road. Uh, but I think Slampton really have to go there and, and stamp their authority like they did yesterday because it settles the nerves down, not only with supporters, but with themselves as well. It gives them confidence because you know, Slampton start well. First five, ten minutes, they start playing out from the back. They start you know, looking a little bit more relaxed and fluid and yeah, looking just more likely that they can sustain in uh, the longer the game goes on. Uh, I think Leeds are one of those teams that I do expect them to go on, on a little run soon, purely because of the Road support. Uh, but it's, it's going to be one of those games that I'm going to be extremely nervous for. I, I haven't felt as tense as I did yesterday. I know Steve alluded to the fact that during the 12 minutes, you know, it wasn't many chances, but it's in there, I've just become quite numb recently, not, not because I'm just trying to be a journalist but it's just bit, like a bit cold I've ta- yeah cold I've taken all emotion out of it where I think I think it was towards the end where Sekumara almost got in and Slampton won a corner it was showing a match a day and I almost I almost was almost shouting come on and I, 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 had a few, I had a few looks around me but yeah I just hope that it's not quite as nervous next week and Slampton can just go there be calm but really impose themselves on the game as well we don't want any arguments or fisticuffs in the press box because uh, we're, no, <laughs> we're no who's responsible if there is. Glenn, just quickly on, on their manager, I, I'm not entirely sure what the latest is. Does it make a difference if they appoint a new manager by the weekend? Does it? I don't think it looks like anybody's going to be coming in there. There's a few people that have, have turned it down. Uh, it, it doesn't look like it, does it? I mean, they've been they've been looking for a couple of weeks longer than we have, haven't they? Yeah. And um, since Jesse Marsh left, so they've got... Um, I can't remember his first name, Scubala, isn't it? As their caretaker manager, whether he um, whether he's um, someone who really is just holding holding the baby until they get someone else in. But the, the longer it goes on, you you kind of think managers aren't going to want to join, uh, and th- and that's the situation I feel that we're in. Mm. I don't th- I don't think anyone who's a potential long term choice as a manager is is going to be in a rush to join a team at the bottom of the league with fifteen games to go. So, uh, so I think they're kind of in a similar situation with us, and I think probably, and this is and this is something I don't know about that Jake is going to tell me in a minute. I I, <laughs> I feel that both clubs are probably going to end up, you know, going with the uh, the managers that they've got in place at the moment for the rest of the season. So uh, I don't see um, the triumphant return of uh, Bielsa to Leeds or anything like that. I mean, funnily enough, that would give them a big lift. Um, especially the crowd, but um, I don't really see that happening, to be honest. Okay. Uh, before we get on to to managers and who may or may not be coming in and what we, we may or may not do, I'm going to trouble you all for a score prediction for the Leeds game. If you're watching live, get on the comments and, and let us know how you think this one's going to turn out at the weekend. Steve, I'm going to come to you first for a score prediction, please. Oh, God. I kind of feel confident, which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 3-1. Three one to us. Why not? Why not? Gosh, right. Why not? Okay. All in. Uh, Glenn, do you share the optimism? Uh, yeah, slightly, slightly more guarded than that. But um, I'll, I'll go for a uh, repeat of what we had yesterday. I'll go for a one nil win. One nil's fine, isn't it? And uh, Mister Optimism himself, uh, Jacob. I've I've doubted Slampton the last two weeks. Uh, I, I don't think Slampton are going to keep a clean sheet. You know, second week running. So I'll go back to my usual trusted scoreline of a two one win. 2-1 win alright I'm going to I think um, same as Glenn I'm going to go with a 1-0 a for that so uh, stick your um, your predictions um, in the comments because uh, we do like reading those afterwards and I know all the away fans like reading them as well <laughs> let's get on to the uh, the managerial merry-go-round as it were and the latest news so Jacob on Tuesday Jesse Marsh was all set to be appointed Saints boss by Wednesday lunchtime it was all off again so in a nutshell 
what went wrong? Well, where to start? Um, so yeah, so the meet, first meeting was on Monday. Everything seemed okay. Um, obviously, the issue was the contract, but. Jesse Mars was looking, he thought, okay, if there's potential uh, contingencies, uh, no problem at all. Uh, I'll, it looks like it will be resolved the next day. So they had a meeting on Tuesday morning, all their discussions, and there was a breakthrough. It all been agreed in principle. I think Jesse Marsh would be confirmed on Wednesday morning, Wednesday lunchtime. And then, but he said before, so he travelled down to Southampton, as you know, in the Harbour Hotel. Uh, I think he was, being, he was told to stay in his room, but Jesse Marsh, being an affable, popular guy, he thought, you know what, I'm going to get some food in the in the restaurant. And he, but before he agreed the deal, he thought he'd sleep on it just to make sure, because everything had happened so quickly. And he, and he slept on it, and he woke up the next day, was went to Staple, was supposed to go to Staplewood to basically agree everything, signing the deal, hold the shirt up. And I think he, I think he just looked at the the task at hand, saw the issues. Um, he's got a reputation uh, to, to to keep intact. It had been damaged greatly, and I think it hurt him at Leeds. Uh, he he liked the project of Slampton, but he just something didn't appeal to him, and he didn't think that he could keep Slampton up. Plus, it was only going to be a six month initial, so you know there wasn't many upsides for him. There wasn't really great backing. Um, but I think I think it's something that could be revisited in the summer or later down the line. But I think both parties, it was quite raw the lead sacking. It was only nine days afterwards. It just came at the at the wrong time, really. And I think you know, Southampton obviously pushed for Jesse Marsh. He had a huge dossier on him. They really liked him, but they really liked Ruben Sellers, and it was very tight between those two. At you know, at the start of the week. So I think although they wanted Jesse Marsh, it wasn't the end of the world that they had to take Ruben to to manage the Chelsea game. So we don't so get the headlines. We, so he bottled it. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is your headline, yeah. So we don't, we don't get the story of, of Jesse Marsh leading the team to to Leeds. Glenn, have we? Do we think we kind of the answer was there all along? Does does Ruben Sellers get the job until the the end of the season for you? I mean, it's it's very um, it's very easy to to go. Yeah, we beat Chelsea. Give him the job. It's it's more than that. I mean, I actually did that on Twitter yesterday, but. <laughs> there's more to it there's more to it than that it was the way he conducted himself during the week and the, the press interviews on Friday were very impressive we've obviously gone up there we've won the game you've seen how much the players sort of like respect what he's done he spoke very well after the game on Saturday made it about the players and not about him which is nice the, the more I think about it the, the more I think that what you ideally want to do, you don't want to employ a manager for the short term. You want to employ a manager who's going to be for two and a half, three and a half seasons or whatever. And the position we are in the league, I can't see anyone who's a decent long-term bet wanting to to join a club at this stage. I mean, if you not that I'm suggesting him for a second, but if you if you take a recently sacked manager like Frank Lampard, for example, he's seen as a failure at Chelsea, a failure at Everton. Is he going to want to put himself in a situation where he manages a team for 15 games that ends up getting relegated? I, I just, I just don't, you know, from the list that was being bandied about, I just don't see anyone who's going to be a willing to take the job and be any better than than Ruben Sellers anyway. Mm. Um, and the additional thing with with Sellers is that because he's come out and said, "I want the job," if he's highly rated you run the risk of him walking if they go and appoint someone else. Mm. So there's there's lots of lots of things in, in play here. But I mean, yeah, we've won we've won the game at Chelsea playing a certain way. Our home record this year is diabolical. If he can get some sort of tune out out of us at St Mary's, then I I really don't see the harm in giving him the job 
to the end of the season. Just on that question, Jacob, I don't know if it was yourself that asked about whether he, he wanted the job or not. Were you surprised at his honesty? Because we've all been there. We've all watched those press conferences. We've all heard the, the caretaker manager go, well, you know, I've been asked to prepare the team for the weekend and we'll see what happens and we'll go from there and it's out of my hands. But for him to actually come out and go, yeah, actually, I want the job. And I've been, I feel like I've been working up to this for the last four years. That, to me, that was really refreshing to hear. Yeah, excuse of plug, but I've literally a piece has just gone out on the athletic about that. <laughs> um, so you can read it after this. Once okay. this, this, obviously. Um, but I, it's what Celis has always said is that he's ready to become the manager. Even in the summer, before everyone really knew of him, friends of his, uh, people who had worked with him, as always says, his goal was to not coach but manage a top four club one day. And he's obviously prepared to take the team onto onto the end of the season. But there's something about being a caretaker that rankles with him he doesn't want to be called a caretaker so if he does get the job it'll be called it'll be called interim because caretaker feels temporary he wants to prove himself that he's going to get a longer term contract he wants to be he wants to be the manager everything about him uh the way he's spoken to players he didn't speak to players saying right i'm only here till chelsea or this is a short-term fix it was with you know with months in mind really so yeah Celis is you know the way he he conducted himself in press conferences shook hands with every journalist the cameramen the way he dressed he didn't look like a guy that wanted to be a caretaker I think he's extremely impressive the way he talks I've tried to find people that don't like him or people I've got a few words to say about him just for just just for balance really like surely people don't like him this much but honestly I can't find anyone The, the from coaches in the first team in the academy to players to agents they all they all speak really highly of him and it's and it's fantastic and i just can't find anyone i did wonder whether he'd had that that jumper yesterday and that suit ready to go for like the last four years because when he stepped out on the pitch yesterday with his, his coffee in his hand he certainly looked the part steve just final say on this they can't bring anybody else in now i mean by the time people get around to listening to this podcast. He may well have been confirmed as as manager to the, the end of the season, but it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Whichever way you look at it. It's a difficult one, isn't it? The problem the problem you have is that historically, caretaker managers do not do well um, when they are given the gig on a permanent basis. Um, so you are always kind of fighting the the sort of tide of history in this sort of scenario. So it's, and I'm, I'm sure, I mean, as much as we've kind of discussed the... Um, the sort of pros and cons of Rasmus Ankerson's uh, uh, strategies and algorithms and all this sort of stuff. I'm sure that will be, that that will be in their mind. It will be, okay, let's, let's see how this goes. Let's not overreact one way or the other based on one result and one performance. See how we go, maybe give it a couple of weeks. Now that we've obviously won yesterday and given ourselves half a chance, then that gives, I mean, despite obviously the other results not going our way, it at least gives you a little bit of breathing room that you're not completely cut adrift and having to make a rush judgment. Um, we can afford to kind of let this play out for for maybe another two or three weeks. If the players look like um, the performances are staying at, the, at, a, at a good level, then yeah, fine. Confirm him till the end of the season. And that's kind of us making the judgment and we and we go from there. We've We've taken kind of used used the the evidence in front of us and that's great. I think if we give if we gave him the job solely on the on the strength of yesterday, I th- I think that's a risk. Mm. Um just because I mean as I say, the 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 fate of caretaker managers when they go permanent is not good. And you only have to look down the road through the new forest to see how how well um their care, their caretaker managers gone. Although obviously what he, he managed to burglar win yesterday. 
um, at Molyneux. But yeah, Bournemouth, Bournemouth have been terrible since Gary O'Neill got the... Um, well, basically since we went down there and won, I think, wasn't it? That basically they've they've just... They've been kind of what we expected them to be after that little little sort of rallying period um, when Parker left. And you kind of wonder whether that set of results might actually just have been relief that they didn't have um, Scott Parker barking at them um, anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think with, with Celes, I mean, as you say, he speaks well. Clearly people rate him both sort of externally within the game and internally within the club. So he's already kind of got one foot in the door, really. Yesterday will have will have done him the world of good, even if it's only just self confidence of saying, "Yeah, I can, mm-hmm. I can do this. This is this has gone well." But having engineered that result, he then also automatically gets the backing of the players because they put a system together that the players are comfortable with, they're confident with, and they've earned the result against against one of the most expensively assembled teams in Premier League history. So yeah, I mean, as I say, let's let's give it a couple of weeks, see how the uh, Leeds and Leicester games go. I mean, I think if we get four points from from those from those two games i think i think that's i think that would be enough to say right that's a slam dunk for for the season and let's 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 just get this done and get this nailed and um and we've got a bit of momentum and we can we can build from there if next week doesn't go to plan then um then obviously there might be a little bit of um a little bit more head scratching going on well if it was a job interview this weekend this last couple of days it it hasn't gone too badly for him so um we shall see all eyes on any potential announcements this week thank you for watching thank you for listening this week don't forget you can follow total saints podcast on facebook and twitter Uh, have a search for at total saints pod that's where you'll find us there Uh, the website is totalsaints.co.uk there's a link on there to the online shop as well and of course we're on patreon that's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution it's patreon forward slash total saints podcast patreon.com got four different tiers on there ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds a month each of the tiers comes with its own perks including some weekly shouts for those patrons in our top two tiers the franny banali tier and the mick shannon tier so thanks as always to dave melton mark atkins and matt hall and also to colt baker dave ernsberger ed busy nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed in our mick shannon tier uh, thank you steve cheers glenn thanks jacob Have a great week and we'll catch you again soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.